All right, anybody want to go out and do some calisthenics? Get pumped up, a little extra Java today? Uh, I want to talk to you about a rise in Bill, but I also want to celebrate Easter. How many of you were here for Easter Sunday, give or take? Quite a few of you. Uh, we had an amazing moment. It was at the end of that service, um, as I had been thinking about Easter leading up to Easter at that, at that service, I had had months where I was, you know, one of the things we do is we think about things in advance. That's, that's part of leadership. And, and, and I was getting no vision for Easter. I, Lord, it just helped me to, what do you want to do? And it was really in the last, oh, week or so prior to Easter that the Lord really wanted me to challenge people to take a stand for Christ in several ways. One, that they needed to rededicate their life or they, they needed to uh, engage Christ for the first time. And for others, it was just, we didn't have any power. We knew all about Christ. We grew up, we were religious, we were baptized, we were confirmed, we were this, we were that. But they had no power in their life. So at the end of the message, I asked people to stand. And in the first service, over 30 people stood with everyone watching. And then in the second service, over 50 people stood with everyone watching. And I just thought that was the coolest. I thought, you know what? There's no shame. There's no condemnation. It was like, yes, God is for me, and I'm going to take a stand for him. And, and I believe that that's going to birth something. And so uh, that was something that God touched me dearly on. And one of the things leading up to Easter that I had asked about, asked him for, is I said, Lord, uh, I would like to believe you for over 400 people to attend Easter Sunday at Life Church, And so during the 40 days of power, as I had done that, that was one of my, my prayer requests. So we did the final count last week. It wasn't 400, it was 486. <laughs> wow. And okay, the reason this excites me, and let me give you the why. Here's the why. Because last Easter, and the Easter before that, and the Easter before that, and the first Easter, it has set the, the spiritual temperature gauge for the following year. For instance, the first year we were in De Pere High School, it was in 09, and we were, our typical Sunday attendance was about 60 to 70 people. Well, on Easter Sunday, we had like 150 people, and we're like, oh, oh yeah, this is awesome, praise God, you know, people got saved and all that. And then what happened is, over the course of the year, we would grow into that number that we hit on Easter. So by the end of the next Easter, we were running 150 or so or more. Each year we've done that, every Easter, we've exceeded or equaled the amount previously to that Easter. Do you know what that tells me? We have to arise and build. That means next, this time next year, we're going to have more people. And so we have to prepare for more people. We have to prepare for more people, more services. I'm willing, as long as God empowers me and my vocal cords hang up, I'm willing to do five services a weekend with a lot of different time options on two different days. If, if God is bringing people here, I'll, I know he'll help us do it. But what I can't do is do it alone. What I can't do is to try to control everything and make everyone and, and try to do it all myself. What I need to do is empower and release you to arise and build. Amen? So last year, we, we did our Arise and Build campaign for the achievement of, of reaching a goal to, to get into a building. And many of you know the story. We were renting over a uh, big building over there off of 41. And uh, at the came time, we needed a new facility because they, uh, here's what 
interesting. The, the landlords continued to raise the rates and continued to, isn't that amazing how they do that? And, and, and then all of a sudden we said, you know what, that's, that's out of our price range. And through a number of extraordinary circumstances, we got land donated here, this land that you're sitting on, and the people gave, and we are here today. And I want you to think about that, because 486 people were touched by the presence of God on Easter. How much more one year from now? And so, uh, as I meditate on that, okay, we used as our master text in that series back then, the story of Nehemiah. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. And let me set the stage while you're turning there. See, Nehemiah had a burden for his city. Nehemiah was part of a people, the children of Israel were, were held captive by a captive nation, a captive king, and so they were in oppression. But see, Nehemiah had favor. He was the cupbearer to the king, and he had great favor in this, in this regime. And, and, and so he goes to the king, and he says, you know what, I have a burden for Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. Its glory has been diminished, and I want to go back and do something. And God gave him favor, and through a number of, exer- uh, number of circumstances, he began to build consensus. He began to gather up a vision, and he said, this is where we're going to go. And then in Nehemiah 2, verse 20, and this was our verse that we built the series on, verse 20, so I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. And what I want to emphasize is, is that he knew God would empower and prosper the vision they had to make the decision to arise and build. God will bring provision for your vision. That, bo- that works when God puts a vision in you personally, in your business, in your goals, in your finances, in anything. When he puts that vision on you, guess what? He'll provide the, vo- the provision. He'll bring the provision if it's from him. He's not obligated to fund your vision. He's obligated to fund his vision for you and for his church. And so, Nehemiah, they, they, in 52 days, it was unbelievable, you read the story, 52 days, he builds the wall with these people, and they restore the walls around Jerusalem. And as I began to look at our story, it, it's amazing to see how many people, through sacrifice and time and their talents and their finances, that help get us to where we need to be, but I am not satisfied. Are you? I want to take more, and here's why. Here's why, because what Nehemiah had a burden for, and I want you to go there, Nehemiah chapter 7, we're going to go to this, this is is the foundational scripture for this series. Nehemiah took the wall, they got the wall rebuilt, but that was just the beginning. There was another phase to that story, and as we enter in a new season, this next 52 weeks, my challenge to you is to look up and see what God wants to do in the next 52 weeks. So Nehemiah chapter 7, what's happened is they've built the wall. And now Nehemiah is is issuing the marching orders. Then it was, verse 1, when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, and while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors, and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at this watch station, and another in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few. 
the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people. Three things that I want you to take from that, that narrative today. Three things. One, Nehemiah knew he needed to build leaders. He knew that. He needed faithful people, not the most talented, not the most outspoken. He needed the most faithful and noble people, leaders, to watch the gates, to watch the city, to watch over the people. Number one. Number two, he had a vision to reclaim the captives. You see, there was very few people in the city gates at that time because they didn't have gates. They had the walls, but they didn't have the gates. They needed to rebuild the gates. He needed people to do that. And he had a burden for those that were not in the city of God. Translation for us. The empty seats that are in here, I pray they continue to fill up, are the same thing that we need to be focusing on out there. It's not just, we're glad you're here. We are. We want to equip you, empower you, and watch God do mighty things through you. But the most important person is the person who's not in here. They're out there in captivity. Amen? That's a vision that we should all be striving for. And there's many, many pitfalls. We all face it. And some of those I'm going to address today. Some of those reasons why we care, but we don't care. We care but not that much. And some of those reasons are, are very natural and normal that we feel that way. I want to address some of those. I want to strike down some mindsets that wants to marginalize what God's plan is for your life. But here's the thing you got to remember. God's purpose for your life is never separated from God's corporate purpose for his church. Translation, you cannot be an island to yourself. You have to be part of God's larger plan to experience for him to release the full blessing on your life. That means you have to engage a body. Amen? All right. So those three things that we mentioned. Now, Nehemiah, the thing about Nehemiah is he had vision and he had goals. So, okay, Kibby, great. What's your vision and goals? I'm so glad you asked. In the next 52 weeks, you can even write this down if you want. In the next 52 weeks, this is a will statement. This isn't a, well, gee, I hope, God, that you kind of show up so that you might perhaps, if you're gracious. No, he gave me the vision. We're going to fulfill it. Amen? In the next 52 weeks, Life Church will, will witness hundreds of people come to Christ. Your enthusiasm is amazing. <laughs> it's just blowing me away. Oh. In the next 52 weeks, Life Church will add a third weekend worship service. Amen. We had one, now we have two. And we had a pretty good crowd in the first service. But I want to have three. And I'll do four. And I'll even do five. We'll build teams. We'll build kids' ministry. Let's enlarge our vision and let's not talk about what we can't do. Let's talk about what we can do in the here and the now. We'll worry about tomorrow's battles tomorrow. Let's just focus on what we can do in the next 52 weeks. Amen? In the next 52 weeks, we will baptize people in our sparkling new portable baptistry. Come on down. We'll dunk you. And you know what? I want this beautiful baptistry. I don't know what it'll look like, but I'm kind of thinking it's beautiful. We'll have to see what it looks like, but depending on the cost, too, you know. Uh, but... I want to dunk people. I want to celebrate it. And I even have this vision in the next 52 weeks. Kids, parents, you name it. 
I'm in flip-flops in my ridiculous swimsuit, preaching in a shirt that's probably audacious and gaudy, and I want to dunk people and celebrate and lift up Jesus in the next 52 weeks. And if we don't have room upstage up here, we'll figure it out. But we will dunk people on a Sunday morning in this church in the next 52 weeks. It will happen. It will happen. In the next 52 weeks, Life Church will create community outreach and influence. And I will, you're, you're probably looking at the water. I just wanted you to know I was extremely thirsty. And sometimes I get parched when I preach. So they brought me water. Now, I'll explain the water in just a second. But community outreach, that one of the things that we want to do, we want to be strategic. We don't want to be wacky. We don't want to be weird. We want to love people. And we want to build bridges with our community and the leaders in the community. And if the leaders in the community are corrupt, then we'll replace them with you who aren't. Amen. Fair enough? Influence. Okay. Now, in the next 52 weeks, Life Church will... Create Invest Invite Weekends. What is that? Many of you have heard that. We will have people come, and sometimes we've given away Packer tickets. You say, oh, that's great, and this and that. The idea is, is to get a person who may be on the fence. You bring them. You come, and you bring a guest. They come, and they hear the gospel. You know on those Invest Invite Weekends, I'm going to preach a gospel, receive Jesus message today, right, so that they can hear the gospel and what the power of the gospel can do for their lives. Every time we have one of those, be assured, if you've got a friend who needs the power of God and the love of God and the grace of God, bring them that day. Now, you need to bring them all the time, but there's a specific thing that God does in those weekends, and so we create those environments. Um, we want to build life group leaders. Pastor Mary is, I don't know if guru is the right word, uh, incredible at building leaders and helping you find your gifts, talents, and things of that nature. We have a thing in our membership called Design, if you've never gone through it. It's a gift assessment. I'll be talking a little bit more next week about your gifts and your talents and all of that, but I want to unlock and unleash that in you. I believe God wants to do that. My job is just to kind of be the, the, the mouthpiece to get you to thinking about that. And in the next week, I want to talk to you more about that. But Pastor Mary can help you find your giftings through Design. I want to build Catalyst and Family Life leaders. We have an incredible, incredible ministry here for family life. Uh, we have a vision that wants to help not just get your kids to know about God. We want them to experience God, not just on Sundays, but every day with you. We want to partner with parents. There's a, if you come here long enough, you'll hear us always unpack that vision about why it's important that we get, oh, about 30 to 40 hours a year with your kids, and you get 3,000. And when you do the math, it makes sense to equip you to pastor your kids. So we, we talk about that. We have great family. In the next 52 weeks, though, we need to build those teams. If we're going to have three services, we need more volunteers, flat out. So, and I did say will, <laughs> because you don't want me to say anything else, do you? Really? That was so overwhelming. I got one no. And I'm going to explain why spiritual formation is important and why Pushing you is important. I know sometimes it can be like a pastor's like a, he's got this cattle prod and he's just, you know. But it's important that you engage. Your spiritual formation with the larger body is crucial. Crucial. All right, last thing. We're going to build service team leaders as well. And those are just some of the things that we, we're not doing as much as I would like to do. But here's what I've learned is, if you get way out ahead of God and try to do things that you're not equipped to do or don't have the leaders to do or don't have the people to do, how many of you understand that's a bad idea? 
that's failure waiting to happen. And so I want to take it in stages. Now, I say this to say we have a mix at Life Church. We have people who are seasoned Christian vets. They've been around for years, and we have people who are just coming back to the things of God. And here's what I want to say to all of you, and this is crucial. In the kingdom of God, there is no retirement. Now, some people think there's a retirement, and we have this procession, and oh, I've put in 35 years in the nursery, wiping snotty noses. Look at me, and woe is me. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're in that mindset, you've lost your first love. So we're going to strike down some of those mindsets. Now, here's the other thing. From a natural perspective, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I like football. I like to study football history. I used to be a sportscaster, so I was into that. But there was a coach named Paul Bear Bryant. Any of you heard of him? Years ago, he's an Alabama football coach. He was the winningest coach in college history at the time of his retirement. Let me read to you his, his quote at the time that he retired. This is interesting. After his final game, Bear Bryant was asked what he planned to do now that he was retired, and he responded, he replied, I'm not kidding, probably croak in a week. He died a month later. We've heard about Joe Paterno, fired at age 85 from Penn State after a legacy of building a football powerhouse, passed away right after his job was done. Andy Rooney of 60 Minutes. Many of you know, have heard him. For years, he would just pound out these commentaries, pound them out, pound. I used to be in that business. I know some of the preparation that it takes. Didn't always agree with Andy Rooney. But once that job was gone a month later, are you getting a pattern here? Spiritual atrophy is the same way. You're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. There is no other. Green and growing, ripe and rotten. And I know, listen, I hate pressing sometimes. It's like, oh, Lord, I don't, can't we just rely on last year's successes? It was so cool. And if you're in the kingdom of God, he's going to push you. And he's going to push you some more. The good news is he'll empower you to fulfill the vision. Your personal vision for your life is incomplete without a larger corporate vision in the kingdom of God. This is absolute with 100% clarity absolute spiritual law. And so these issues, these things that we face, uh, let, me, let me also be your advocate on one thing. People are tired, folks. We look around at America today, we just need a break. They're working harder, longer, faster, for less pay. I mean, can I empathize with you a little bit? You're tired. You're beat up. And now the pastor's coming along saying, yeah, let's take the hill. Don't you have a lot of energy? I get it. I get it. Believe me, I have my seasons. I crank hard, work hard, bounce off the walls occasionally, drive my staff nuts every once in a while. God bless them. They are awesome to put up with me. But you know what? God brings me back. He centers me. And he helps me get outside of me to be a part of a larger, you know, you get what I'm saying? And he'll bring you back to purpose. And what I've found is if you prune off the things that God does not ask you to do, he will empower you to do what he has asked you to do. And imagine if a people, if a church and, and the people of God grew to such levels of influence in a, in, a, in, a, in a city or in a region, 
all of a sudden the bosses who are working you 95 hours a week and thinking that's healthy because of their margin, all of a sudden they back off. And bosses, if you're working that hard, that long, cranking that fast, guess what? There's a cost to that. It's called marriages. It's called family. And you can lose them. So there's a balance that God wants to bring. And here's, here's the issue that I'm contending for today. When Nehemiah built that wall, notice they put the wall and building of the wall first. When they put the kingdom of God work first, they had protection. The gatekeepers who stood at the gate kept the snakes out. Here's what I'm saying. You are stronger when you are corporate, corporately united. But it will take work. I'm not going to kid you. I'm, if you come to church here, for six months or eight, a year, or if you've been here long enough, you will know occasionally about three times a year, I hit this in various different ways. And here's what I also say. If you're here and you're not engaged in any capacity, you're not, you're not serving, you're not connecting in one of our life groups or just with people, and you're not giving, you won't last long here. Now, that sounds kind of mean. But here's, here's the truth is, you know how I know that for an absolute fact? Because I watched many, many people get eaten up by walking outside of the gate and thinking they can do it alone, Lone Ranger Christianity. Lone Rangers make terrific movies, but lousy Christians. And I want what God wants for you, so that's why I use the strong rhetoric. But here's the point. The point is, is that we don't retire. We have to push for greater things. It's not today's, today is today. We are where we are, but we have to have vision for where we're going both in our lives and our corporate lives with the church. If you're inside the walls, are you burdened for those outside the walls? Now, it's one thing to say, yes, I am. But remember, as you process this and you process this message, if you're really burdened for those inside or outside the walls, your decisions and everything you do will be, momentum will be generated to what you truly believe. Does that make sense? So if you, don't, if you really don't burn for people who aren't in here, you're not going to create your lifestyle to reflect that. That's just truth. But the, the beautiful thing about following God's plan for our lives and getting into spiritual formation is once you make that decision and do it, he will fund, he will supply, and he will bring his super to your natural. Every time. That's a pretty bold statement. Every time. Every time. You know how I know that? Because the word of God backs it. So let's strike down mindsets that I'm going to retire. You know what? Some of you have been hurt in other churches. I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, I don't want to serve in that church or help build that vision because the pastor's just going to run off with the money. Now, there was a little bit of a reason why I had Kelly come up here and explain the financial picture here. I can't steal your money, okay? Can we settle that? <laughs> There's too many checks and balance. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. So relax. <laughs> and also, you know why we talk about the financial responsibility? is so that when you're talking to your neighbors and talking about the next charlatan preacher who's trying to rob and pillage and take, that you can say, we've got this covering, our pastor, we have this accountability system, and we don't have to worry about that here. And the reason the checks and balances are there on me is because, you know what? Every human being is capable of egregious sin, even pastors. So I know how important accountability is. I need you to know that. Amen? Um, the waters. Interesting. Why the waters? Let me set the stage. Let me tell you the story. 
okay? It was about a year ago, and we were, you know, still trying to get into the building, and I knew that we weren't ready to tackle this yet, but I wanted to do something for the city. I met with the mayor of De Pere, and I, and I was like, okay, mayor, just give me a broad range of what churches are and are not doing, what, what can we do? I just wanted to get a, a picture, and based on our assessment of where we were, numbers-wise, how much we could mobilize, how many people we could get together. And so we began to talk, and, and so the idea of this parade, this Memorial Day parade that they have every year, uh, they have about six to 7,000 people. And at the end of that, I really felt like, okay, Lord, are you for sure that you're talking to me about this? Because it doesn't sound real spiritual. It really doesn't. But put it on my heart. Okay, if there's six or 7,000 people, I want to have a wall. I want to I pass out water to every person at that parade. I want to get six, or at least try to get 6,000 water bottles. So the plan was, as I had kind of unpacked that vision to the staff a little bit, this is kind of what I'm thinking. We were like, yeah, let's just have everybody bring a case of these. You know, you can go to Sam's for three or four bucks, and that was the plan. And then over eight weeks, we'll just generate enough momentum, and we'll go out and do it. Well, <laughs> I was expressing this need or this desire to just bless our city and just, just pass out water at the parade. Nothing large, an hour or two, Memorial Day, no big deal. Just to say to the city, we care. Here's what's interesting. So I need a truck for that. So I call up a guy in our church. I say, hey, you know, I know you've got a big truck. Can we maybe put some banners on that? We can mobilize people out of that, put some coolers and ice and waters and all that. Um, so about an hour and a half later, he calls me back. He says, man, I got a call from this guy at a transport company who has all these waters and asked me if I needed them. Now, there's... There's an interesting twist to this story because I want you to see the larger story and that sometimes the way God does things and the way he works things, it doesn't always just go perfect and smooth. I want to I lay that foundation real quick. But it, he's always up to something good, amen? So, so I get that phone call and I'm on sky high. I come back and tell our staff, yes, we got this big semi full of free water. It was like, yes. Until I get the call the next week, uh, the guy wasn't offering it for free. Deflation, okay? And so I was all pumped and uh, ready to unveil it. And so, well, so, but there's another twist in the story. So I talked to the person again, and I say, okay, well, you know, I think we'll just go back to this. But what it did was it spurred something in that person to, to just, to just, help in, in advance the vision because he believed he heard God. I believed I heard God. I didn't believe that I didn't hear God. And here's my point. At the end of the day, through a series of all of these little things, we have 6,000 free water bottles to pass out at the parade. You don't have to bring any. So, and that's just God, and it, it wasn't, you know, perfectly smooth sailing through the whole way. And I, I can tell you at times I take care. So if God provided the water bottle, here's what I'm asking you to do. These little cards, our ushers are going to pass these out here in the next, and you can take some time. You don't have to fill these out. If you don't, if you don't want to help join me pass out water, I'm not, I'm not going to be the hammer and say do it. But here's my faith goal for this. We have about 400 people, 400 plus, that call Life Church their home. My faith goal is, I believe if we had 100 people 
we can come very close with, with the way that we can structure it, with the way we can assimilate people, perhaps bringing wagons and this and that, with these milk cartons, and I can unpack that later. But I think if we had 100 people, we could come very close to reaching that many people. And here's the, here's the real issue. Here's why I want to do it. I want the people of that parade, I want the, the leadership of the city, I, I just want them to see, okay, this church, they're not, doing, they're not setting the earth on fire. They're not, they're, not doing anything, they're not doing anything extraordinary. They're just walking up with their Life Church Care shirts and just a Life Church banner, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And they're just passing out water. They're not being wacky. They're not being weird. They're just passing out water. Why? Because they care. And here's the other reason why. When all of those people see our little church show up in mass to do this, that is going to have an impact on the leadership of our city. Amen? And when they see that, and so when I come to you three years from now for a larger goal, for a larger vision, something that's even beyond that, and we tell the leadership of the city we're going to do something, you see what I'm saying? We'll do it. And, and, and these are the kind of things as a church that... It doesn't seem always so spiritual, but you know, Jesus did say, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, even at a hot parade. I had a thought, God gave the vision, I acted on it, God brought the provision. Do you see how that works? God brings the pro, brought the provision to Nehemiah, he brought the provision, and then what if all of that had happened and they get to the walls and the gate people say, or the people say, we thought you heard from God, but no one showed. <laughs> I'm not doing this all to put pressure just to, to come to the parade. I know that some of you can't. I know some of you need to, to, to you know, process through that and look at your schedule, and that's not the point. Here's the point is we have to be intentional about the world that we're around. We have to be intentional about how we do things, and we have to put the person who's not in the house of God, we have to, we have to be willing to work so that God can work to bring them to the house of God. And the more people bring, God brings to the house of God, the more it helps you. You see this? What if you couldn't drop your kids off downstairs because no one wanted to work? What if no one wanted to sing? I'm very replaceable. Anybody can talk. We need people. We need everyone. It's everyone's important. Everyone's important. The last part. You, you got some of these. The reason we're here today is because people sacrificed for a vision larger than themselves. These little packets I want you to look at. We've got a couple of weeks. We have a few cleanup items in our building that we, we need to fund. And some of them, uh, just the landscaping, just some basic things. It's not, they're not over the top. And you can read them in your, uh, in your brochure. Some landscaping, some, some technology upgrades. There's some things we need to do. As you're worshiping, I realize that some of you are in the middle. It'd be easier to have a screen here. We're looking at that. Um, the baptistry, the infrastructure, you can read those in your, in, in your bulletins later. And I want you to pray about that, you know. But I want to be very clear about what Horizon Build isn't. Horizon Build isn't a fundraiser. Horizon Build is a lifestyle. Are you getting that? It's about building people. We want to build people. And as I look back at once was, I think back to, and I, I'm closing with this, I think back to the 10 to 20 people 
in late October of 2008. They were talking about the formation of a church, and they were meeting in the home of one of our people, and they, they were thinking about and conceptualizing a, uh, of a church. And at that time, God was working on my heart to be a, to be a pastor. I was in the broadcast news industry at the time in Minneapolis. And then in January of 2009, Hope and I moved here, and we helped with the graciousness of those founding people, we helped establish that work into Pierre High School, and people gave. They gave their time and their talents and their treasures. And then from there, an opportunity at the SC Grand opened up. We can come in, you can put signage up, and you can be in the building year-round for one year, and you can rent and lease from us, and God provided. People gave and people came. This last year, people gave and people came, and lives were changed. We saw last week at Easter a couple of testimonies. For every one of those, there's about 12 others. And not of them are all here today, but I can tell you that we sowed a significant seed. And here's the thing. I know many families, many people who are praying for their children and their kids. They just want their kids to have a fresh encounter with Jesus. They, wanna, they want what, something that's real, not hyped, not, but real, real encounter with God. That's what we want to try to do here. I'll never try to oversell you. I'll never try to undersell you. I will tell you the truth, and I will try to tell you what God is telling me. And if I make a mistake in that process, you have to forgive me. Amen? But I will give you my best. And I want leaders who are ready to get off the pews and into the streets. I want to build them. We've got many, many people who have gifts and talents. Next week, my full expectation is for you to be here so that we can help you, because I know God will speak to you. And this week, the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from coming back next week to hear that message. Why? Because he wants to keep you marginalized. You've got gifts. You've got talents. It's time to unleash them. Let's think outside of the box. Many of you have uh, brilliant, creative minds, areas of expertise that the church hasn't even conceptualized. Think about what the internet was 20 years ago, reaching the far ends of the earth today. But 20, 30 years ago, who would have thought? The church is designed to lead the world. Amen? You don't, <laughs> it was an old statement, you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall. You do, and I need you. Because it's not rhetoric, it's a fact. Our culture right now needs you. Look around. We've been doing it, running harder and faster, trying to make economic solutions to a moral dilemma. You can't legislate sin. You conquer sin, you conquer societal problems with a regeneration of the heart that comes in here and it comes out here and people begin to do what the word of God says. If Nehemiah didn't believe that God couldn't do it, nothing would have gotten done. Mindsets had to be changed. And it wasn't because he was the most skilled person. It was because he was faithful. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Ryan, I've been, I've been feeling like I, I've been tugged at. I, I know that, I know that I haven't, 
really engage the things of God to the things that I need to do. And, and I know he's speaking to me. I know he's speaking to me. And in, in, in my case, maybe I'm hurt and uh, I've built other churches and they let me down. Well, that happens. You can't let that stop you. Or you've, you've burned out. You're tired. God didn't ask you to burn out. He just asked you to be faithful to what he's called you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. But you say, Ryan, that I, I have been to some extent for a while. I've been a pew sitter. Would you raise your hand right now? If there's, thank you, several. Yeah, yeah, that's honest. That's, that's good. I'm going to pray over you and we're going to dismiss. But before I do that, I want to ask you, this whole thing is all about, we had a number of people stand for Christ last week. Um, I just want, with heads bowed, eyes closed, to say, Ryan, I, I, I know I need Christ, and, and uh, I'm not talking about the person who's made a decision. Many of you have made a decision for Christ, and that's great. I'm talking about the person who has not made that decision and needs to. If, if there's anybody, I just want to give an opportunity real quick. Raise your hand real quick, and then I'm going to pray over you. Anyone in here? I just want to check real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? With heads bowed, eyes closed, let's pray this prayer. God is going to stir something in you, and you're going to change. Please repeat. Father in heaven, I thank you for your power to achieve my purpose and your kingdom purpose. I ask you to forgive me for any apathy and to heal my hurts. And in God's power, I consider it done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're done. Next week, bring your friends. Bring, bring people that you know to hear because God wants to unleash talents in each and every one of us. God bless you. Don't forget to turn in these cards. On the way out the door, the ushers will grab them. Take these home. Pray about it. Pray about what God is saying to you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.